and we're going to listen to Janice as she brings the word. But before she does, Paul, um, Phil's going to read the word of God. Amen. Well, the reading is Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, beginning at the first verse. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now a man, crippled from birth, was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those who were going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taken him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him as you can all see. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Christ would suffer. Repent, then, and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Christ who he has appointed for you, even Jesus. He must remain in heaven 
until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from among his people. Indeed, all the prophets from Samuel on, as many as have spoken, have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophet and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples of the earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. Thank you, Phil. Again, if you're happy to read the scripture, that's something quite straightforward and simple. You could just say, I'd like to do that. We get more people involved. Now, would you like to come? We're going to pray for Janice, but at the same time, pray for each of us that our hearts will be open to the word of God. Father, we do thank you for Janice. We thank you for her many years of service to you and we thank you Lord that as uh, she brings that word to us this morning it might open our hearts our ears uh, Lord to your word that we will be different having heard your word this day in Jesus name Amen can you hear me no okay I'm speaking as loud as I can can you hear me now great I'm just going to move back a bit so I can see all of you in one go. Thank you, Phil, for reading the scriptures so well and so clearly. It's good to hear the scriptures, isn't it, Red? Um, that's a fantastic story. We all know that story. I guess we've read it many times. What an incredible miracle that was. I wish I could see, have seen a miracle like that. I have never seen a cripple walk. I've never seen some of these miracles, but... Actually, if we look around us, there are miracles every single day of our lives that we can see. The miracle of birth, the miracle of nature, God taking man from dust and bringing him to life. The miracle of the universe, everything that we see around us is a miracle. But sometimes we forget that, don't we? But this was an amazing miracle. And so I guess the God who created our universe and did so much and is so capable of, of doing what he's done in our universe today, making our world and making us such in lovely, wonderful creatures, human beings. It's nothing to him, is it, to heal a crippled man and to give him his legs back again. I once heard a story about a little boy who'd been attending Sunday school regularly and he'd been learning about God's awesome creative power. And one day he said to his mummy, mummy, isn't it true that we all come from dust and that one day we will return to dust again? Her mother, his mother was really pleased and proud that her son knew so much. And she said, yes, that's true. Well, mummy, he continued, in that case, there's someone either coming or going under my bed. That, to that boy is a little miracle there. You know, we would have heard this story many times, but I wanted to draw some truths from it today that I believe will bless you as individuals, bless your heart, and encourage you, and also will be a challenge to us at the church here. Just by way of introduction, 
The beautiful gate was one of the many entrances into the temple courtyards, into the temple itself. Um, it was destroyed in AD 70 by the Romans, but prior to its destruction, it had several names. So it's called the beautiful gate. It was also co called the gate of Nicanor, which was a Jewish man who'd built this gate. And also the Jewish historian Josephus tells us that it was called the Corinthian gate because bronze was in its construction, bronze from Corinth. Um, and the huge door was overlaid with gold and silver, so it was very costly. And the size and magnificence of it probably earned its name, the beautiful gate. But in the Greek language, as I've looked at this passage, there are three possible meanings and inferences about this name that I want to draw some truths from today. Uh, the first name that I want to bring to you about this gate, the name of the gate meant coming at the right time. Very, very unusual title for a gate, a name for a gate, but coming at the right time. So imagine the scene, you have a beggar sitting here. He's over 40 years old, the Bible tells us, and he's sat there for many years begging every single day. His sustenance, his daily living, depends upon the kindness and generosity of people who see him and give him money. Also, he relies upon the goodwill of his friends to bring him here every single day to sit at this beautiful gate. Some people were very generous and would drop the pennies in the hat. Others saw him every day and never thought any more about him and didn't heed him. But Peter and John were passing this particular day. It was a significant day, a God moment. They're on their way to the temple to pray and the man asked them for, for money. This was his usual custom. They, they'd probably seen him a lot of times and maybe had dropped the odd coin in. But this miracle took place after the upper room um, when the Holy Spirit came down on the disciples and transformed them by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So instead of the apostles just dropping money in, they didn't have any money and they actually said, we don't have any money, but they said, look at us, look on us. Well, he, he was immediate in his response. He did look at them. And they said to him, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And Peter took him by the right hand. It's very significant, this, the right hand. He took him by the right hand and he helped him to rise to his feet. And it says that immediately he was healed. This was an immediate miracle. He was healed. He gained strength in his ankles. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Now, this was no mean feat after 40 years of being lame. Excuse the pun. Initially, he could have felt really disappointed. He could have thought, these guys haven't got any money for me. I'm just going to sit here and beg. I'm not going to move from this position. Um, but no, he decided, I'm going to get up and I'm going to respond to this man's hand. So what he did is he chose to heed their words. He chose to heed what they said. He had to take his eyes off his normal surroundings, his natural surroundings, which was he was a crippled man and he was sitting every day to beg for money. That's the only way he got his food. Prior to this moment, he would not have expected that anything would ever change in his life. You've got to understand that. For over 40 years, he'd been a cripple. He knew no other life. However, he responded to that outstretched hand. He allowed himself to be lifted up. Immediately, his ankles gained strength, and he started to walk. And then, amazingly, he was so incredibly transformed. He met the person of Jesus Christ at that moment, sitting by that beautiful gate. This miracle had come at the right time for him, 
For him, the beautiful gate's name meant something very significant, coming at the right time, because it changed him physically on the outside, but also we will see spiritually this man was changed on the inside. Now, it's interesting to know that Jesus probably passed this man many, many times during his earthly ministry. He would have seen this guy sitting there. For some reason, Jesus did not choose to heal him. But I think it is because God chose this moment. This was the beautiful gate, the name meaning coming at the right time. So this man was healed because he had a divine appointment with God at this beautiful gate. He was in the right place at the right time. I want to apply this to our lives this morning. Do you feel like you're sitting at a particular gate in your life at this moment? Do you feel somehow that nothing will ever change? Things have always been this way. They're never going to be any different. Do you feel you're held back by difficult circumstances? Is your life proving to be static? And at the moment, spiritually, there's no movement. Do you feel you're locked into a situation? You don't know where to turn. Many people will turn in difficult situations to the wrong people, the wrong things, to give spiritual direction. But from this passage, we understand that our focus must be on Jesus. He says, look at me. Take your eyes off your circumstances. Take your eyes off the natural things around you that aren't going well and look at me. We must always look to him. He is the author and finisher of our faith and we need to hear his words for our lives. So today, in your personal situation, and I don't know them, you do, and also in the, in the life of this church, level 10 here, we are asked by Jesus to look at him. Remember the promises that he's given you in days past, the promises in scripture that are always relevant and real. God always keeps his promise. So when we look to Jesus and we hear his specific words to us to rise up, then we need to do that, take our eyes off our own circumstances and to start to walk in a new direction. This is the day of new things. It was a day of new things for this man and I believe it's a day of new things for you and me and for this church. So if you're sitting at one of life's gates at this moment, may not be called the beautiful gate, but this is a good typology here. Remember that God has good things planned for your life. You may not believe that at this moment in time, but he does. He has good things planned for your life, and just at the right time, they will come as you look to him and obey his word. Now, just as Peter took hold of the man's right hand, very significant, there is a scripture that says the Lord promises to take hold of your right hand and mine. Isaiah 41.13 says, I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. This is significant, so we have to ask the Lord, Lord, will you take hold of my right hand today? Will you take hold of my hand and lead me and guide me? Level 10, I believe you've faced very difficult circumstances in the last year, 18 months, but the word of the Lord is exactly the same to you as it was to this man. Jesus says, look at me, lift your eyes off, surrounding circumstances and look to me you will then move into new and fresh places i believe as you wait upon him in prayer church and ask him to move in this place and as you obey his specific words to you then the fulfillment of his plans for you will happen at exactly the right time when jesus plans it because god's timing is always perfect so not only did this gate gate's name mean coming at the right time which it did for that man but it also had another significant meaning. 
The second meaning of the gate is of an unusual one. It means ripeness. Ripeness. Now, we all know what ripeness means. It means when a fruit is ready to be picked, it's ripening up, fruit and vegetables are waiting to be harvested uh, by the farmer or even by yourselves if if you grow them. There's an abundance of fruit waiting to be reaped. Now, for this man, after 40 years, a new season had come for him. He was waiting to enter into fresh and new season. He was ripe for it, in fact, the Bible says. Not only did this encounter come for him at the right time, but it came at the right time in the life of the new and embryonic church. And we're going to see how that actually plays out. Because the church had started to grow after the upper room encounter with the Holy Spirit. And the result of this miracle was amazing. There was great spiritual fruit that followed this miracle at the beautiful gate. Acts 3, 8 to 10 says he jumped to his feet. He began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. The change in this man was phenomenal in both a physical sense, he had his legs healed, and also spiritually Because the Bible says he changed from the sitting position to the standing position, then to the walking position, then to the running position, then to the jumping position, and then he was vocal in praising God. It was a process. So the result of the miracle said that he started to praise God. He recognized it was God who had set him free physically and spiritually. Something had happened to him. Jesus had released him from his physical change, but also from his spiritual bondage. He had new life. So the immediate fruit of this transformation was that people came running into Solomon's colonnade. They wanted to see this man. They wanted to hear what he had to say. There was a new season for him as he walked through that gate. As he got up, obeyed the word of the Lord, and walked through the gate, a new season happened. Now, naturally, a gate or a door for all of us is an entrance that leads us from one place into a new place. Sometimes it's a place we've never been before. Sometimes it's a place we know. But it's an entrance leading us out. Symbolically, a gate or a door can be a new experience that we have in God, a spiritual experience that God takes us into, a new season in our lives, a new ministry we might be entering into. Jesus says, I am the door. Whoever enters through me will be saved. That's John 9, 10 verse 9. He gives us abundant life, and that's what this church is all about. John 10.10, abundant life. I've come to give you abundant life and to live it to the full. So everything we experience comes through Jesus at salvation. But I believe God has a new season for us also as individuals and as a church that we are to move into something fresh and abundant that we have not seen before, a new place, a new ministry, new life, new season. I believe that God has places of divine appointment for each one of you here. And you may be saying to yourself, oh, it doesn't apply to me. It applies to Joe Bloggs down the, down the seat down there. But actually, it does apply to each and every one of us. If we open up our lives to God, we heed his word, we obey him, he takes us into something fresh and new in him. Now, do you believe that God wants you to lead you personally into something fresh and new? Or are you crippled by past history. All of us have past history, past issues, and sometimes we can be crippled by it. If there's anyone here today who doesn't know Jesus as a savior, you can be set free from your past by coming to know Jesus as your personal savior. He gives abundant life. But for Christians, often I hear Christians say, 
I don't believe God wants to use me. I've not been a good Christian. I haven't done this, that, or the other. God doesn't look at that. He looks past that, and he sees Jesus in us. And he says, I want to use you. I want to take you into something fresh and new. God can set you free today to, to be used. And are you willing to trust God's word to you, a specific word? Allow his power to change those difficult circumstances in your life. Only you may know about those circumstances. Maybe nobody else knows, but God knows. He says, I'm willing to change them. If you commit your way to me and let me lead and guide you, I will bring you into a place of spiritual maturity and freedom. There might be things that God wants you to do specifically for him that nobody else can do. Now, it will take faith on your part, just like this man. He had to respond to that word. He had to rise to his feet and take hold of that man, uh, Peter's hand. So there has to be a response in our hearts. And the Lord desires to see a deepening of your personal faith as you trust in him every day of your life to move into this new spiritual phase he's got for you. It's going to require faith for the church here. You're all part of this church to move into something new and fresh. Not where you've been before. No, God says, I want to take you into something new. So if you're going to experience this new season of fruitfulness, that will take place in your life, just as Peter and John experienced, and you will, we'll read about that in a minute, then you must walk through this new door. There is a new door God has got for you to go through. As an individual, he's positioned you by a door that he wants you to go through, and he will show you. But also, this church, level 10, is waiting to new, move through a new gate, a new door into fresh fruit, fruit fruitfulness for him he will have new ministries for you to undertake and if you say to yourself I'm inadequate for this task I can't do this job then let me assure you he promises to strengthen you in your ankles and your feet to help you to rise up and to take that on that challenge he promises to hold your hand in whatever situation you face whether it be a work situation a family situation whether it be a financial problem you're facing Whatever it may be, he promises that he will go with you through that spiritual gate into the beyond because he's taking you there. Now, as I was preparing this word some weeks ago, I really felt God impressed this particular word on my heart for the church here at Level 10. And I'm going to read it because I really believe it's important. Level 10 Church, I believe that God has got new things for you to do together corporately as a church for him. I do believe he wants to take you through a new gate. It is a beautiful gate. It's come at the right time. But he wants to take you through that new gate together into fresh pastures. I truly believe that the difficult situations that you have faced collectively have been simply to prepare you spiritually for the reaping of a rich harvest yet to come, which you've never yet seen. This has been a time of shaping of you as individuals and as a church. It's been a time of molding of you as individuals and as a church and a time of ripening. You are being ripened at the moment for something fresh that God will reap a harvest. And as you walk through the beautiful gate with Jesus in your personal life, but particularly here corporately as a church, then I believe he's going to take you to a place you've never been before you will see things you've never seen before and you'll experience an amazing rich season of fruitfulness. God, pray that God blesses that word to your heart. Now we've seen that the name meant beautiful. Uh, it meant coming at the right time and also being ripe and ready, which I believe we are at the moment. For this man he was ripe and ready. But the third understanding 
behind this name is quite self-explanatory. The name of the gate meant beautiful. It meant that it was fair. It was lovely to look upon. People like to walk through this gate. And I want to just expand a little bit on this meaning, what it means for us as a church to be beautiful, to look upon, what it means to be fair and lovely if we're following in the footsteps of Jesus. What made the gate beautiful? It was beautiful because it was made of this heavy bronze metal and it would have been a huge and immense structure. It's a shame it doesn't exist today. It was destroyed, but I would love to have seen it. The gold and the silver plating that overlaid this gate would have given it great value. It would have been very, very costly. The precious metals in it were costly. These mag this magnificent outer gate would have opened into the inner courtyard, the inner sanctum, and then into the temple itself. So it opened inwardly from being a beautiful gate on the outside to moving into a beautiful place on the inside. The temple was apparently a beautiful place of great ornate beauty. Something may look beautiful on the outside, but it has to match up with beauty on the inside. So the beautiful gate led into the beautiful temple. A beautiful act of healing outside that gate, Christ-like beauty transforming this man, led to something absolutely amazing and beautiful on the inside. Because Peter and John and the healed man had to cross over the threshold to get into the inside. And that was where the fruit was reaped. Because what happened next was absolutely astounding. And uh, Phil has read it to us this morning. People came running from every direction in Solomon's colonnade to see this man. He's been healed. What's going on? How come he can walk after 40 years of being um, crippled? And immediately, Peter had a captive audience. He didn't let any stone remain unturned. Immediately, he said, why are you so amazed? Why are you so amazed? The same Jesus that you put to death, this is the man. This is Jesus who has raised him from the dead. It's not me who's done this. This is Jesus who's done it. And so he was able to preach to the crowd. And we are told, I think the figure was about 5,000 men were added to the church. Well, with that would come wives and children as well. So thousands were saved that day as a result of the miracle and the sermon he preached. A beautiful act at the beautiful gate produced beautiful results for Jesus. Something beautiful on the outside transformed something beautiful on the inside. That's what we have to be for Jesus, beautiful on the inside so that we can touch the lives of people outside. And before we can be used by the Lord more, we need to move from where we are now spiritually into a deeper place with God. We shouldn't be static in our Christian lives. If you're static this morning, then give that to God. Say, Lord, help me to be more empowered to be like Jesus. May I have that inner beauty and inner radiance of Jesus in my life that will draw people to myself so that I can tell them about you. We need to be willing as a church and as individuals to cross over that threshold, to move through that gate, to be willing to move into a new season of fruitfulness for him. Because our spiritual walk, if we do that, will take us deeper and closer to Jesus and draw us into the place where he is able to change us and make us more like him and to use us for his glory. That's what happened to Peter and John as they performed that miracle in Jesus' name. They crossed the threshold and then they moved into this season of fruitfulness. The whole church was benefited by several thousand people that day because of the miracle and the sermon they preached. So when we move closer to Jesus, something happens to our inner self, doesn't it? We are changed. 
His desire for us is that we are more beautiful on the inside than the outside. It doesn't really matter too much what we look on the outside, although it is important that we have a smiling face occasionally. We don't go around like miserable people. We need to reflect Jesus in our faces and our attitudes, etc. But moving from outside the gate into the inner sanctum will affect an inner change for the better in our spiritual lives. So the result of all that took place there was that thousands were added to the church and many people heard this miracle. Level 10 church, when you draw closer to Jesus in your daily spiritual walk, when you come together to pray on a Tuesday night and you pray in your home, when you worship him on a Sunday morning collectively and give him the glory, when you share your faith with other people at work, at home, in your street, in your neighborhood, there's always going to be positive results. Jesus will always be reflected in our lives to others as we draw closer to him. Now, people from the surrounding uh, neighborhood need to hear the message of Jesus. They need to know that he can save them and set them free. They are in need of Jesus today. And they will want to know Jesus because of you and the light that shines in you, the radiance that comes out of your life. But let me tell you, there's always a cost and always a sacrifice and a price to pay for us if we want to be more like Jesus and we want to be used by him. This is the but on the end of the story. But what is so amazing that when we make the sacrifice, incredible things will happen. So the end of that day, Peter and John were arrested for creating a public disturbance. But they had the chance to testify before the Sanhedrin, the chief priests and elders, and these men were amazed because they said, these are simple, unschooled people. They don't know the law. They don't know everything we know. And yet, here they are preaching this amazing message. And the Bible says in Acts 4.13, they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Do people take note that you have been with Jesus? Do people take note that I have been with Jesus? Do they see something different in my life when I cross the road and speak to them? Does something different come out of my lips than what comes out of their lips? They had been transformed by the power of Jesus and his Holy Spirit. But these apostles paid a price in being like Jesus, and they faced great persecution in the days that followed. Now, as we've noted, the beautiful gate was expensive to make, bronze, gold, silver. It was created at a great cost, I believe, because it was so huge, by the craftsmen in their time. They would have given their time their labor, their manpower, their energy. Some may even have given their lives in creating this huge, beautiful structure. And I want to say there's always a price to pay if we are determined to move deeper in God. If we want to see miracles of life-changing experience in people, there is a price to pay. There will be a cost for us because God will want our time. He'll want our energy. He'll want our wills. He'll want our desires and our right motives before him. Sacrifice will involve cutting out of our lives those very things that distract us from serving him completely. Because the Holy Spirit will search our lives. If we ask him to make us more like Jesus, he's going to search our lives. It might mean that we have to choose more of God's will in our life and less of our own desires and less of our own way. In fact, we might have to do a little soul searching. I don't know if you've ever done soul searching, but it is a timely thing. When you look at yourself, say, oh God, please strip away that from my life. Help me to be more like you. Let me be more like Jesus in the way I speak, the way I behave, the things I do. 
I'll give you an example of this searching. In 2001, um, we had a huge intake of Polish immigrants coming into our church. Between two and 300 came in and got saved. A lot of these were Polish um, illegal immigrants, and some came quite rightly after the EU opened its doors. But in 2007, a young man who was our very first Polish convert named Greg uh, was being deported. He hadn't got the right paperwork. Uh, we had sought to try and help him, but it just so happened the authorities said, it's time for you to go back to Poland. Now, the, the long shot was he was able to come back again. He now lives over here, and he's married, and he's got children. But at that time, he was being deported. He was taken to a holding centre in London. And as visitors, we wanted to go and see him. And as we went up to visit him, we had quite a palaver getting in to that place. Because well, once we got into the place, we had our bags searched, we had our bodies searched, I think we had fingerprints, if I remember rightly, taken, um, the whole thing. And as you move from one room into another, one hallway into another, again, there were doors closed behind you, very much like a prison. There was a sense that we were losing bits and pieces of our belongings, so you couldn't take anything into that inner room where he was held that might cause him to get break free or be something illegal that we'd taken in. So it was quite an interesting experience. It was a very necessary process of searching of us and taking away things from us that we weren't allowed to take in. I'd like to compare that to what the Holy Spirit does. Because when we want to draw closer to Jesus and we want him to use us, and particularly in this area around here in the neighborhood of Stanmore, the Holy Spirit will search our hearts and lives. And he will cleanse away the wrong things that shouldn't be there. If we desire to see God at work and to know more of his powers, then he's going to search your motives and my motives. He's going to search our desires. He'll look for a greater depth of purity in our lives and holiness. There's always a cost if we want to serve Jesus more, but that cost is worth it all because we will see people coming into the kingdom that will bring great joy to the Father's heart and bring joy to us as well. Was there another cost to the disciples that day? I think that there was. The amazing consequences of all that took place was that thousands were saved, people heard the gospel, but they were thrown into jail. They lost their personal freedom that day, and many people do today in our world. They lost their personal freedom because they're willing to sacrifice their freedom to talk about Jesus. But we are told that eventually they were released. They were told not to speak about Jesus, but the disciples, apostles said, we have to obey God rather than men. But they carried on, oh, um, performing miracles, and again, the Jewish priests put them behind bars, and again, they continued to preach. And finally, we read in, I think it's chapter 5, that they were flogged and then set free, because they didn't know what to do with these guys. They knew they were speaking the truth. They were feeling very guilty and ashamed, I'm sure, but they had them flogged. But the, the Bible says they were rejoicing in the fact that loads and loads of people were being added to the kingdom each day because of their persecution. They were willing to stand up and be counted. There might be a price that you and I have to pay if we want to stand up and be counted. It may not be exactly the same as what they suffered, but we might have to face a form of persecution by, in the form of um, alienation or isolation from our friends at work or in our families. Because of our convictions, sometimes that set us, sets us apart. We might have to face making really tough decisions that we don't like because those tough decisions can often make us feel so isolated and alone. But I want to tell you that God says, I'll never leave you 
or forsake you. I am with you to the end of the days, end of the world. Hebrews 13, verse 5. Persecution can come in different ways for all of us, and I'm sure we've all experienced it a little bit in our personal freedom. But if we want Jesus to be glorified, we want Stanmore to come to know Jesus, if we want the kingdom to be extended, then we have to pay a price. And the church then paid a price, didn't they, for seeing all this come to happen. Sacrifices that we make for God will always result in bringing glory to Jesus. So are we willing today to lay down our lives? We have to ask that question. Are we willing to give Jesus our all so that he will be glorified? This man would have had his faith tested. The Bible says that the elders and the priests who questioned Peter and John could see the man who was there, who'd been healed, standing with them. This was the next day. It's as though he was attached to them by glue. He didn't want to let go of them. It said he went with them. I imagine he was there testifying to the fact that this was a wonderful, these were wonderful apostles who brought the word of Jesus to him and healed him through Jesus' name. The Bible tells us that the believers met in Solomon's colonnade after this time. I don't think they were allowed to go into the temple. And this, this man's faith would have also been tested very, very strongly. He was most likely barred from the temple that day because he was now a follower of Jesus. He's stuck his colors to the mass, didn't he? And said, I believe in Jesus who set me free, physically and spiritually. I'm no longer in bondage and I'm going to talk about Jesus. What an amazing, incredible uh, result we see. This is a crippled beggar with no voice, no influence. He's now been transformed into a Christian believer with a loud voice and a testimony. That's what I want. I want to have a voice for Jesus in the workplace. I want to have a voice for Jesus in my street, in my neighborhood. The beautiful gate had become the gateway that led the lame man, Peter and John, and the growing church into a season of spiritual growth and fruitfulness. So um, a couple of questions before I close. Is your life a personal gateway, helping other people to discover Jesus Christ? You need to ask yourself that question. Is Level 10 Church a beautiful gateway through which the people of Stanmore can come and find Jesus? Is this an inviting church? This is a church where the radiance of Jesus is reflected from our lives to them. And are you and I willing to pay the price that will result in other people knowing Jesus for themselves? I think we need to ask those questions. We need to answer them and be honest before God today. So finally, to sum up, the beautiful gate represents God timing for our lives, for the church. Things happening at just the right time. Things will happen at just the right time for this church when God plans it. The beautiful gate represents ripeness, a readiness to ripen and to reap a rich harvest of fruit in our personal lives and outside here with this neighborhood. The beautiful gate represents freedom to move into a new season of fruitfulness. Do you want to move into a new season of fruitfulness? I do. The beautiful gate speaks of the beauty of Jesus radiating from our lives. And we have to be willing to sacrifice our will to the Lord's will. So I just ask that the Holy Spirit will encourage you and challenge you today to think about that beautiful gate and all that happened after that beautiful gate and to use you and this church for God's glory. May we allow his word to encourage us to walk through that gate bravely. You may all have a different gate to walk through individually, but corporately as a church, 
There is a gate and a door that God wants to take this church through. We need to be together in that. We need to be united in our hearts to walk through to a new season of fruitfulness and ministry, personally and corporately as a church. May God bless you today. Amen. Amen.